Amen. Thank y'all. That was awesome, wasn't it? Lots of good stuff happened. You know, the Lord, the Lord's really good. I'm just going to try to really not be nice today, not give y'all too much trouble, so y'all won't give me too much trouble. How about that? <laughs> Deal? All righty. So, um, hey, I, we got a really good, I got an announcement for you, is we have a guest speaker on the last Sunday of the month. I'm telling you this, so she will not back out. Because <laughs> she has been known to agree to do this, and then, I can't do it. I'm sorry. So hopefully Becky Davis will be giving her message. Yeah, amen. That's great. She has some great revelation, I think. Because I've, uh, I've given her a lot of my revelation. She's kind of recycled it. And <laughs> yeah. Actually, she has her own. In fact, some of my best revelations, she claims she gave it to me. <laughs> she says it's true. Um, so, um, so let me just give you this word this morning because next Sunday we're really going to celebrate two things. We're going to celebrate Christmas as a church. Uh, I was never good at seasonal messages like Christmas, but I think it's important. Don't you think so? So we'll have something special, but we're going to do communion Next Sunday, let me just tell you this. I want you to prepare for this. We're going to do communion with an aim to let that word of the Lord that's built into communion do something to us. Not just the ritual of communion, which is an amazing thing because Jesus told us to do it. It's the only ritual he's gave us. But we're going to actually let, we're going to start seeing the power of celebrating the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, we're going to start seeing the power of it get released into our life. Because there's power in that, I'm going to tell you. That's why I encourage people to do it at home, because there's power. It is the meal that heals. And so we're going to really, I'm just telling you that. And I don't usually talk, think about, I don't really like to do that, but I tell you, I believe in that. I mean, I don't like to talk about something in the future that God could easily change and make you look ridiculous. But he's going to make you look ridiculous anyway. So, get comfortable with being ridiculous, feeling right? Okay. Because it's a beautiful ridiculous. It's not a, a foolish ridiculous. It's a beautiful ridiculousness. So, this is, this. wow, have we been on a journey. Do you know that? We've been on a, an amazing journey. I hope you're dialing in to the journey, you know, that, we, that God's been bringing us somewhere for a while now. We've been on this particular path, okay? And I'm going to try to capture that path in, 30, in 29 minutes, okay? Uh, so I'm just, I'm, some of this I'm preaching to the choir on, some of it not. But I want to, first of all, so this is sort of the snapshot of where I believe we are. I'll tell you, it's a snapshot of where I am. It's where God has been leading me for over a year now to come to this spot. But I want to read First, first John uh, chapter 3, verse 1. This is beautiful. See how very much our Father loves us. See it. That's what he was saying. We need to see that. We need to pay attention to that. We need to put our eyes on that. How much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. That's just a beautiful verse. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. 
They don't know him. That's the reason they don't. And when we, that tells you something. When we begin to know God, we begin to know things. It's the truth. When we begin to have a relationship with God, when we begin to have a relationship with the Father, built into that relationship is revelation. Built into that revelation is insight. God will begin to show you things. And God will get, begin to talk to you about pe- other people, about his heart for them and how much he cares for them and about the people in the world, people in the church. God will begin to do that if you'll pay attention he, because he wants somebody to... To communicate his father's heart to other people. He wants his, somebody to communicate his dear love to them. Amen. And, but a lot of people struggle uh, with this whole concept of God being a father uh, because of the wounds of life. Because many of us have been raised with fathers that may have not been nice to us. And some have been, have terrorized us, literally. Some of us have been raised with amazing fathers. But we still suffer, uh, you know, because of life, because of other people. Because maybe a school teacher said something bad to you one time. Or some person uh, in authority some, or some adult did something to you that hurt you and wounded you. And so we all carry hurt. We all carry wounds in our life that hinder us from receiving the revelation of God as a father. But when we begin to get that worked out, little by little over time, we begin to know him as a father, and then we can begin to know ourselves as as his sons and daughters. It's such a beautiful and, and powerful revelation. I think the church has been guilty in the past of not really presenting the Father the way he really is. Uh, I was talking to, to Dean Stein. Dean uh, lost his best friend growing up recently, he, and, and they asked Dean to do the, the service. And, that's, and so he was a little bit angst about it because he was said, I'm going to not pull any punches. I said, like, Dean, think about it like this. You know the Father. It's your opportunity to go and tell people who may never step in the door of a church what God's really like, how he really is. Not some religious, not some ridiculous, but you have this golden opportunity in your life to go talk to people. That's why when I get calls occasionally, will will you marry us? People that don't even know the Lord are like, yes, I will. I'll be glad to marry you. You know why? Because I take it as the golden opportunity to tell them about the Father. And describe this Father God that I know and how much He loves us. I remember once I was asked to do a funeral <laughs> in a house in my neighborhood. My neighbors lost the, the granddad and said, "We don't know. We don't. We're not church people. We don't know pastors. Would you be willing to come to our house and talk to us and do something in memory of Him?" And like, yes, I would love to do that. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what should I tell Him? And He said. Tell them about the parable of the prodigal son, particularly about the father and how he loves the prodigals and how he's looking for the prodigals, how he's reaching out to the prodigals. It was amazing. It was God. I mean, but that's our our opportunity when we begin to know him like that. We don't create, we don't communicate condemnation. We communicate his heart, his beautiful heart. That's what we should be about. That's what we were looking at, these pictures it was the Father. It was the Father loving on the hungry and hurting. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ motivates us. And so, um, you know, there's other motivators, right, in life. Uh, 
uh, I remember one time there was a young man who used to come to the church because it was this young girl here that he liked. Okay, that's a good reason. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Let's throw it out there. Real yin. He got saved. He was doing well for a while. Well, you know, they didn't do well. You know what, how that goes, right? They didn't do well, the girl and the guy. Therefore, he drifted out of the church, uh, and he was gone for a while. And I ran into him one day out, out there in the world, and, how are you doing? Not good. You're not doing good? That's okay. The Lord still loves you, because he had gotten saved here. He said, I want to come back to church. I said, great, come on. Come on, come on, come back. Please come back. We love you. We care about you. Uh, so he came back, but then he, he came to me and said, Byron, what can I do? I said, you don't have to do anything. No, I want to do something. I want to do, I can do things. I mean, I can do physical things. I said, okay, if you want to do physical things, do it. But I noticed he kept coming back every week wanting to do something, which really was amazing, right? Because that mean, means I didn't have to do it or I didn't have to buy, pay for somebody to do it. letting him do it. But I realized in the middle of it, he is being motivated by guilt, he feels guilty about his life. Therefore, he feels like if he did something, God would care about him and God would love him again. And guilt never is a good motivator, y'all, because it doesn't last. At some point, it'll quit. And I kept telling him, like, stop. Don't. You don't have to do this. You're, you're loved. You're accepted. But his heart wouldn't let him. His heart wouldn't let him. And he didn't make it. But he will make it. But he didn't make it right now. A lot of, that's a, a guilt's a motivator. I just want to give you some thoughts about being motivated so you can ask yourself, are you being motivated by love or are you being motivated by something? Here's another one, a desire, a desire for a prominence or importance. A desire for prominence or importance. That's a powerful motivator. Right? A lot of people are motivated by that. That's a bad motivator, though, because that will get you in a lot of trouble. With the Lord, if you have a desire for prominence or importance, you know, sooner or later that's going to lead you down a bad path. Uh, here's another one, to please other people. How many people have done things to please other people? You're being, huh? There's a righteous, there's a righteousness in, in, in pleasing your spouse and doing, but when that becomes a driving force in your heart versus the Lord, you know, the love of God, then there's, it, it can become off. Uh, here's the, you know, the other one is the a longing to earn God's approval. A lot of people have that. They, they want to be approved by God. They just really want to, and it drives them. That's not good because here's the problem. God already approves of you. God already loves you. He already cares about you. He's already put his blessing upon you. And when you try to do that, it's insulting. You're slapping what Jesus did into the face. It's like slapping Jesus in the face, saying, I've got to do something else to get your approval because he's made, made sure we are approved of God. Amen? But here's the truth. Love's beautiful. Love's amazing. And I'm, I'm into the love thing big time. But here is the biblical truth. Love is not the only thing. It is not God's only, it's not his final answer. It's not love alone. Okay? It's, and this is where, what I want you to get this morning because this is really what I have begun to really see in my life. Now, this is not a put down of love. We should exalt love always because God is love, but that is not all God is. Now, I want us to get that. God is not just love. 
Because if you just think in terms of God just being love, somewhere in your life you're going to get off. So let me read this 1 Corinthians 14.1. Everybody knows this is a beautiful scripture. It says, let, let love be your highest goal. Let love be it. That's, that's it. He's telling us, Paul said, let love be the highest goal of your life. Perfect. Amen. But, he put a but in there. But, you better be careful when there's Christian butts around. <laughs> One time we knew this kid. I just can't, it, was, it stuck with me all these years. This was, you know, almost 40 years ago. He was a young boy. He'd been, he was a Christian. He'd been getting in fights at school on the bus. And I remember talking to him about it. He said, well, I'm a Christian, but... And then he began to explain to me why he was fighting these other kids. And I thought, a Christian butt. <laughs> That's what you're being. You're being a Christian butt. It's like, tell me what you're doing, buddy. Stop fighting. <laughs> but you should also desire, you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So it's pursue love and These special abilities, pursue love and. That's what Paul was telling us. It's not one versus the other. It's a must. Now, this is the truth. You can be highly gifted spiritually, okay, and be used mightily. But let's let's just look at this right quick. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. It says, if you have the gift of prophecy and if you understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, that I'm, I'm thinking, I want all that. I mean, seriously, y'all, do you want all that? Do you want this prophecy, understanding God's secret plans and possessing knowledge, revelatory knowledge? You would be an idiot. Let's just get cut to the show. If you don't want that, you're, you're, you're not dialing in. You're not in reality. You're in religion. You're in a false world. We should all desire that. You know, because God is looking to release every bit of that into the earth. And God is looking for human beings to be the vessel of those things, to release them. But, and and then it goes on, if you had such faith that you could move mountains. Yes, come on. Faith, come to me. I'm going to go move some mountains out of my life. But didn't love others. He said, if I had, I would be nothing. You hear that? See, this is where, what Paul's doing. He's laying out something here. He's saying, if you, you can have all that, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Period. So, Paul, what Paul's trying to do in these verses, in these chapters here, he's trying to establish the fact of love being the prominent, preeminent thing in Christianity. That there's nothing else beyond love, but he's also trying to establish the fact this. Don't just seek love. It's seek love and. It's seek love and these spiritual abilities of prophecy and tongues and anointings. Because if you don't just seek those, if you just seek love, somebody is not going to get love because, you, because these giftings, these anointings are the way God expresses love. Are y'all following that? And so that's what he's saying. Somebody is going to go to bed hungry. If you don't seek these things, if you don't pursue these things beyond love, somebody's going to go to bed hungry. Somebody's not going to get healed. And that's dishonoring to Jesus 
because Jesus took a beating for our healing. Oh, yeah, I want y'all to get. I want y'all to hear this. That's why you go after healing, because Jesus deserves for us to go by, go after healing, because it says by His stripes, by the wounds in His body. That's how healing gets released. And the way we honor Him and the way we glorify Him is make sure everything He did, that we are making ourselves available for the power of that thing to come. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's why the church should be all over the healing, just on that one thing. It's really great, isn't it? So that's the one thing. I wanted to read this little thing here that Martin Luther King Jr. said. This is amazing. I read it recently. This is what he said. Power without love is reckless and abusive. Power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power, listen, is sentimental and anemic. Love without power is sentimental and anemic. I remember in 2008, we went to, there was a a healing revival happening in Lakeland, Florida. Many of y'all remember that. Y'all remember that? And so we went down there and... To this, it was at the time it was in this uh, the Lakeland Civic Center, which was kind of an old civic building, kind of old, kind of a ratty building. It was big though, and there were a lot of people there. I'll just never forget we walking in the door of that place and looking in the room at the people, and it was it was stunning to me. I mean, and here's the reason it was stunning: it wasn't your normal Christian conference thing. Okay, it wasn't a, it wasn't something God was doing to minister to Christian people. Okay, although Christian people were there, there were broke people there. They were hurting people there. They were discouraged people there. They were mothers with, I can remember seeing these mothers with these little sick babies in their arms. And why were they there? Because the power of God was there. No matter what you think, let me finish this. Don't throw me out the door on this. Because we know how that thing ended. It didn't end well. The power of God was there and God was healing people. He really was. And, and the hungry and the desperate were coming. Okay, it wasn't the cool people. It wasn't the nice people. It wasn't the people who talked well or had the coolest theology. It was the people who were broken. It was the people who were desperate. The people that Jesus hung around with when he was on the earth. It was those people. And so they were coming to this thing, and it was amazing. But, and we just had a, a great time watching the people and seeing what God was doing. But this was, this was something that, you know, Becky and I talked about as we were there for, for a few days. We went to some of their morning meetings, you know, for leaders and all that good stuff. But it was like, Becky, there's something lacking here. Remember that? There's something. And at the time, for me, it was like there's not a father's voice here. There was no father's voice there. And, and so what I began to really realize, and, and we even talked about this, they're, they're, these guys are reckless. That's the way it felt. They're reckless in the way, way they would pray for you, the way they would treat people. I was very, when you, when you got into that in smaller meetings, I was really, I walked out of some of those meetings kind of offended about the way I felt like they were pushing people around and, you know, pushing them down. And just, it was just a recklessness. And I realized it's because, Love was not really there. Power was there. And, and because love wasn't there, it was reckless and it became abusive and the thing didn't end well. 
And I believe, this is my opinion, it didn't end well because there was not the love of the Father really flowing in that place. But there was power flowing in that place. Okay? And so that really just destroyed the move of God. And so here's what it did. uh, There was a generation of younger people then that were really buying into the move of God. They were buying into what God was doing. They were hungry for what God was doing. And guess what happened? That generation of young people, we call them millennials now, that generation of young people, after that happened, after that great crash and the immorality and all that stuff that followed through all that stuff, they began to turn away from the power of God because they saw it as as being reckless and abusive. And so there's a generation of young people or younger people that really have taken, they've embraced this, what Paul calls a form of godliness, but denying the power. Are y'all following me? This is what, how I'm seeing this whole, whole thing play out. So what's happened is, is they've embraced the love of God, but they have distanced themselves from the power of God. And what we're seeing is an anemic church. We're beginning to see a, a church that has become anemic because the church is pushing, the, the new generation that's taken over the church, they don't believe in the power of God or they don't want anything to do with it because I got hurt or, or I got disappointed or I got discouraged or, or it was just bad. Look at this. Are y'all following me? And so what you have is this anemic church arising where we take, and all of a sudden, I believe, again, I read a lot of stuff about the church world, what's going on in the church world because that's sort of my fault and job part of me is to really understand what God's doing is you have the world's view and definition of love infiltrating the church the world's view of social justice infiltrating the church that's what's that's what's happening now and so the church is taking on and, and parroting what the world's saying about justice about inclusiveness and about love Now, that's really what's going on today. And I believe it's because the church, in some sense, has pushed the power of God away because the power of God was abusive and reckless in that move. And there might be other situations, but I'm just giving you my little little snapshot. And see, what God wants to do, this is what Mr. King went on to say, Power and love represent not a choice, but a dilemma. Choosing one or the other is always a mistake. Choosing one or the other is always a mistake. And I think that's the mistake of our... If I could say anything about where the church has been in the last few years, is we've made a mistake. We've chosen love, but we've kept power at hand's distance. And some have even pushed the power away. And you go back and read that in Timothy where Paul talks about taking on a form of godliness. Go read all the verses, the four or five verses before that, and see if you're like, oh, it's like Paul's living now and looking at what's going on in the world now when he begins to describe what all that is. So I think what the Lord, and let me just say this, there are going to be times when the Holy Spirit's going to emphasize love. Right? The Holy Spirit emphasizes what He wants to emphasize. 
He knows what we need. So there's going to be times when he's going to emphasize the Father's love. It's going to be jump into love. But he never de-emphasizes power. There's going to be times when he's going to emphasize power. He's not de-emphasizing love. He's not doing away with it. He's just saying, y'all, y'all need a good dose of love this morning. You just need to be loved on today. But I ain't saying you don't need my power. You just need love right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Let me give you just a little bit more here on this thing. Because I, so what I'm saying is I feel like we're in the moment of history and time when we need to begin to embrace the love of God in a greater way. We need to say this is what real love is. We need to be saying this is what real inclusiveness is. We need to be saying this is what real justice is. Not them telling us and us adopting that. And then you have people spouting that off like that's the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's not the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's the knowledge of good and evil at work in the body of Christ. It really is. It's the knowledge of good and evil. It's not the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. So here, let me just read this to you. So, you know, the the church, you know... I just want to talk to you about the power of God. Like I say, I'm talking to the choir right now, okay? Uh, we talk about power in the blood, right? That's not, there's nobody in here probably would say, no, there's no power in the blood. Power in the word of God. Power in the name of Jesus, right? Those are things that are just built into us, and rightfully so. Yet, we're, we're acting different. We're acting like they're not. Let me read this. Luke 4.1, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. This is how his ministry started. He was just an unknown character, living in Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, working for his dad as a carpenter. Uh, And one day he went and had John the Baptist baptize him in the Jordan because John the Baptist's ministry was going in. Of course, we know that beautiful story. Jesus comes up out of the waters, the heavens are torn open and I just love all that it's just so beautiful to me the heavens are ripped open literally it's what the Bible says ripped think about it when Jesus ripped ripped it wasn't just open a door it was ripped open and Jesus began to walk under this open heaven and the father said I love you I approve of you right that's what happened and by the way just for your when Jesus died on the cross, and it says that veil of the temple was ripped, it was the same word back when he was baptized, the difference being it, the heaven was ripped over for everybody for all time. Not just this one man who would walk up, the whole world has access to an open heaven. I totally believe that all, with all my heart because Jesus provided that for us because we can't make it without it. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit felt, came down on us as a dove. It was just all just amazing. But then it says this in, in Luke 4.1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full. Everybody say full. full. We want to be filled with the Spirit, right, every day, all the time. Return from the Jordan. He just, that's what happened to him next. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Isn't that a, not so beautiful? <laughs> You know, so then he had this encounter with the devil, right? That's the next thing that happened. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. And so he has this encounter with the devil, has this great conversation with the devil. It's beautiful. Verse 14, 
the conversation's over. It says, then Jesus returned to the Galilee. Listen, not, what does it say? Filled with the Holy Spirit's what? Power. He wasn't just filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's a big difference. In other words, it was time for the power of God to be manifested in Jesus' life. Now, I think that's a, besides the point, pathway to power is those verses 2 to 13. You hear what I'm saying to you? The wilderness. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit all day, but you might need to get into that verse 2 to 13 revelation where you need to walk through something because Jesus needs to work something into the realm of your soul to be able to put power into you the way he wants to put power. Because I'm, God is not stupid. He is not going to invest power. Well, he will. He gives gifts. He gives power. But he doesn't want us to see. He doesn't want people, to, people who will use it reckless and people who abuse other people with it. So if you're going to really be long-term with God on this power thing, you need to let that, those verses of the wilderness become something in your life and let God finish in you what he wants to finish so he can invest his power and trust you with power. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, that's just besides the point, but it's very important when you talk about the power of God. As Will said about the intercession, it costs you some sleep. Well, I can promise you, if you're going to have the power of God, it's going to cost you more than sleep. It's, sleep's one of the things. I don't like to lose sleep, but it's going it, to gonna test you. It's going to work you over. You're going to walk through something with it. You're going to have to face those demons that come after you. You're going to have to stand up to those things. That's besides the point. I refuse to ask you if you're okay. I just flat refuse. <laughs> okay. Let me re- read this one, Luke 24, 49. I'm almost done. I'm coming to the end of the line here. Luke 24, 49. This is it. at the end of Jesus' time on the earth. He'd already died, been rose from the dead, been hanging out with people, talking to them. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes, listen, and fills you with power from heaven. Think about it for a minute. Put yourself in those disciples' shoes. They've already went through hell. They had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They had walked, they, they themselves had, had done miracles. They had seen all the miracles of Jesus. They saw all this. Now they were with the resurrected Jesus and he breathed on them. At that point, they're thinking, we're ready. We've got this. I, I think they would be. I think they'd be very emboldened at that point, don't you think? But what does Jesus say? Wait. Like, wait a minute, Lord. I'm, I'm just imagining this. Oh, Lord, wait a minute. All these people are out here dying while we're waiting. We've got the answer. We can raise the dead. We can heal them. Wait. Because you need power. You need power. And that's, why, that's that, I'm, what I'm trying to get to you. The power of God was very important to Jesus. He wanted to make sure his disciples had power and got power He didn't want them doing anything until they got power, just like he didn't do anything to the power of God was released in his life. Okay? This is my little theology about love and power, is we got to have both. 
And if you don't get into this power thinking, you are going to, this is where the train is. Get on that power train. Years ago, before there was a such thing as Bank of America, there was this North Carolina National Bank. Some of y'all remember that. It was a neighborhood bank. It was a local bank. It was a small bank. And Mr. Hugh McCall, who was the CEO, decided he didn't want to be a neighborhood bank no more. He wanted to be something bigger. So they changed the name of it, and it became Nations Bank. That was cool. And then it became Bank of America later. But you know what Hugh McCall said? Because people were resisting on it, about him doing that. This is what he said. I'll never forget hearing him on an interview on the the 6 o'clock news, talking about the bank, and talking about, we're no longer going to be a neighborhood bank. We're going to be an international. We're going to be a national bank, and we're going to become an international bank. And they were saying, well, there are certain people in the community, there are certain people in the bankers that don't agree with this. And he said, this is what I'm telling you. This is where this train's going. Either get on it or get out of the way, but this is where we're going. And see, I feel like for the church, we've got to get onto the power train. I think God's saying, listen, it's time for you to get You don't throw the love away. Get on this love and power train because this is where God wants to go because the church has got to become the voice in the nation versus being versus parroting this other voice that we're hearing. I, I really believe this because I believe there's a lot of broken people out there, a lot of hungry people out there. Y'all, listen to me. Y'all, we got to get over this thing where... All we do is minister to the saints. I think the saints have to be ministered to weekly. This is what church is, is, is to build the saints up, to equip the saints. But it's, and we've got to get over this going to conferences just for us. Another conference, another teaching, another this. When God wants to do something different, where God is saying, what I'm interested in is getting the power and the love of God flowing so much that you could take it to these hurting and broken people. I think that, to me, is the heartbeat of God, the passion of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against, let's just eliminate all this other stuff for the saints. That would be stupid. That's, that's not biblical. But it just feels like to me, like, oh, that's why a lot of, like, I don't really want to go to another Christian thing and just hear the same thing over and over. We, we got we to gotta get where we have these things like, they started to have down there in Lakeland where it was about these hurting and broken people and you're releasing the power of God but the love of God also. Are y'all following this? I, this is what I, I'm believing all this. Uh, let me give you my last scripture because it is, I just want to say this, God is love and God is power. You can't separate who God is, God is love. You can't separate that from what he does. It's inseparable. Wherever God's love goes, God's power goes with God. We need to embrace both. All right, this is the last verse I'm going to read. And I know y'all are good. all right. <laughs> Matthew 14, 14. This is a, a beautiful. It says, when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When he saw this great multitude, he was moved with compassion. So... Um, <clears throat> Um, you know, I'm now in 34 minutes. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm timing myself. I'm 34 minutes. Um, 
2006, Becky and I went to hear Heidi Baker. Y'all, people know, like, if you don't know who she is, she's like one of the most famous missionaries of the last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, she's amazing. Well, you know, she ain't much of a preacher. In fact, she's a, a, I mean, but I tell you what, when she talks, something happens. I mean, they have lots of amazing stories. But So we never heard her before. We heard all about this woman. And so she was down in uh, Fort Mill at, at Morningstar. So we went to the, hear her preach and hear what Heidi Baker had to say. What's all the fuss about this woman, okay, who's doing all these miracles? And why is God doing, using this woman and her husband in one of the worst places in the world, in Mozambique, and, and God's doing amazing things? And so we were, and she gave what she said her life message, which was, oh, wow, this, her life, and she talked about how, how she got saved, uh, and she gave this little teaching, and she called it passion and compassion. That's what she called her message, passion. In other words, God, loving God, being in love with Jesus, and releasing his love. That was the compassion for the part. And, you know, at the end, she gave this altar call. I just never forget, Becky and I, we were sitting at the back of the room. I didn't feel moved spiritually. I didn't feel moved emotionally. But I knew what she was saying. Somehow I knew this is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. I said, Becky, how can we not respond? How can we not respond? And Becky agreed. Everybody in the room was running. We did, there was no room to go to the front. So we just stood up where we were at and said, yes, Lord, to passion and compassion. Yes, Lord. That's what we want in our life. And you know what? I I can say this from the bottom of my heart, like Will was saying, stop lying about your... (laughs) I love that. Don't lie about your testimony now. (laughs) That's cool. But I can say from the bottom of my heart that that was the message that got into me and has never left me. It's one that I keep going. You know, you have these certain messages in life, you'll keep going back to them. I don't know. Does anybody know what I'm talking You just You keep going back to them. You think about it at different times and, and wonder about it. And, and, and I feel like that's the message. Listen to this. And I've shared this before a while back this year. I talked about my message on compassion and empathy and sympathy. I don't know if y'all remember that. But compassion is not sympathy. Or empathy. It's not, it has nothing to do with those. The right, writers of the gospel made up a word to describe what they saw in Jesus when he healed people. It was compassion. In other words, that word, compassion, that's used in the gospels, I just, that word this was, was not a word in the Greek language or the Aramaic language. It was not, that word did not exist. They saw something in Jesus they never saw. They, they, they never saw it. And they made up a word because there was nothing else that could describe what they were seeing. And it's really crazy about the word compassion. Okay? Listen to what it means. It literally means to have the bowels. Everybody say bowels. Have the bowels yearn. Now think about it. This might be a disgusting picture. But when your bowels in the natural yearn, or when you feel a movement in them, what do you do? Do you just sit there? I'm going to just sit here. Although my bowels are saying, you better move, boy. 
and get in there quick or you're going to have a mess on your hands. And what we've discovered about bowels is human beings don't, and, and medical science is get, catching up with what Jesus, what they were saying. Medical science is catching up with how vital a person's bowels are to their overall health. Because if your bowels are messed up, sooner or later your whole body can be messed up. People have died literally because they had a fractional hole in their intestine and it was leaking in their body, slowly poisoning them. And we know, you know, from people that are close to us that have issues with that, that it can destroy your life. It can literally destroy your life. And see, what these guys were saying, what they were picking up on, whether they knew or not, there's something into this thing. There's some power into this thing that they call compassion. There's a power that's very powerful that will move and that Jesus would be moved by that thing. And it was like Jesus would see these people and there was something deep inside of him that would move him. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a theology. It was something that really moved him and caused him to heal people. It wasn't, you better heal them, you need to heal them. No, it wasn't their faith. It wasn't his faith. It was the bowels of compassion rising up in him that has power in it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? I had this dream a few years ago. I think I may have shared it with you. In this dream, the Lord gave me his compassion for people. And it was amazing at first because people were being healed because the compassion of the Lord would rise up. And he didn't just give it to me. He gave it to several people in our church family. And so people were coming from far and wide for healing. And it was just so beautiful for a little bit of time. Until one day, you were wore out. You hear what I'm saying? One day, you were tired. One day, you didn't want to see nobody. One day, you want to just go somewhere and just hide. And I can remember in this dream, hiding my face. If I would see somebody, I would hide my face from them. Because I knew I couldn't resist this thing inside of me. I remember a woman in the dream walked up to me with her baby, and I tried to turn away from her. And she was begging me about her little baby. There was something terrible wrong with her baby that was going to die. She was begging me. I wouldn't look at her because I knew if I looked at her, and I was so exhausted, and I was mentally destroyed at that point. But I looked at her, and when I did, this power came up in me. And I realized something. You know, that's why Jesus would get away. He'd have to get away because he was a human being to recharge it, get with the Father, get anointing back into his life, get the flow back into his life where, he, where his bodily and his man part of him could, could handle what God was doing. You know, and, and I just want to say, y'all, I want that dream to come true. And I've already went through it in my mind and counted the cost. In my brain, I have. I may think different in the middle of it when people are coming and destroying your life. In that dream, literally, I walk out in the morning to get in my car to come to my work here, and there were people in my yard waiting on me. Now, nobody wants people in their yard waiting on them. Like, leave me alone. I mean, you know, give me my space. I don't need people all the time. But because they were desperate. And they needed something from God. And see, I don't know if it'll ever get to that point. 
you know? But I do know what for sure the Lord was saying, there's that kind of need out there in this world we live in. There's a desperation in people. There's a brokenness in people. And those people could come. And God is just looking for somebody to get off their religious stuff, to get off this thing that the world's telling them, and get real and be, be who they really are. And whatever level God allows us for his compassion, his power, his life to flow, just let it happen. And begin and be intentional about it. You hear me? We, we're going to have to be intentional. That's what the Lord started talking to me about this. I'm going to finish. But I want to tell you this about the healing things. Acts 2.38, Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were afflicted by the The Lord said, if you really want that, you're going to have to be intentional about it. In other words, you're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to anoint people and pray for people. You can't just not if you really want it. You're going to have to be a purpose in your heart that you're going to pursue that. Now, I really believe that. And I think the church needs a purpose in her heart. We need to make a decision in our hearts about things like this. And the thing that gives me a lot of joy when I think, especially about the healing thing, because I like the prophetic a lot too, actually. You know, I've been pursuing that for years. That was, that's been easy for me. The healing, not so much so, because I don't like failure. I don't like to pray for somebody and nothing happens. I don't. That's why the Lord said you need to be intentional about it. Because you're not going to always win, but you're going to always lose if you don't do anything. Losing is doing nothing. That's real loss. As far as Jesus is concerned, if you pray for him at least, you gave him half the, you gave him half of it at least. You gave him love. You took the time with him and you loved him. Let me finish. Sorry I went over, but not really. One time there was this woman who came here, and she had all this stuff wrong with her. I don't know what all was wrong with her, but she was a desperate woman. And I don't know what it was, but I just felt a lot of love for this woman because she said, I can't stand coming to church because I can't be outside around people. I can't hear it. And the noise makes me sick as a dog. It hurts every part of me to be to any kind of noise. So I, I hide myself. And I desperately want to be part of church, but I can't. And her husband was standing there just broken. And I would like to say that I prayed for her and God healed her. I spent 45 minutes praying for this woman and loving on her and letting her know that God was there for her, whether she was in a church or sitting in a dark room at home. Because at the end of the day, it really didn't matter because her heart was in the right place. And that was the last time I ever seen this woman. The last time, until I get this check in the mail, okay? I get this check in the mail for $10,000 for the church, okay? And the church was $10,000 in the hole at the end of the year. And it was those people. They said, nobody has ever took the time to give us this kind of love, knowing that we would probably never darken the doors of this church again. Now, I'm not, that's not me. That was all God. God moved on me. I, that was a taste of God's compassion. That was a drop of God's compassion. And when we begin to allow that to flow in our life, something can happen. Something can happen. And hopefully the day will come when we run into people like that, they can walk away 
whole. Amen? So I want to just pray for you. And Will, come on up here. Good old Will. Lord, help him. <laughs> let's pray, okay? Stand up and let's stand up, okay? And I want you to, uh, I'm asking you, uh, I'm asking you to make a decision. You know, that's, that's, what, that's why there's preachers, to try to get people to make a decision, right? Let's make a decision for Christ. Let's, let's make a decision. Let's make a decision today that we're going to purpose in our heart. Begin to purpose what Jesus deserves. Jesus deserves people to be healed. Because by his stripes, he has gone through it. That's the thing that keeps me going. When I feel stupid. When I feel like a failure. I think about Jesus and how he suffered to have this for people. And I say to the Lord, Lord, I might not be doing too good at this. No sea muy bueno esto. But I want you to have what you deserve. Pero que tú lo que te you deserve for people to be healed. Because you paid a great price for that. So alto. I'm deciding, to, I'm just going to do this. Yo decidí, voy a orar por la gente. And trust that your power can do what it y does. Que la, tu poder va a ser. And, just, and somehow you'll get the honor and glory, Lord. Lo que tiene que hacer, vas a la y el honor. So let's just ask the Lord. Father, Padre, we're asking you to give us a taste of Jesus' compassion. That we begin to experience the compassion of Jesus. And we begin to be moved from inside. Our spiritual bowels would be moved. And they would move us. They would move us to action. A la I ask you to do that, Lord. Te pido que hagas esto, Señor. However it looks. No importa cómo se parezca. But we would be moved to action, Pero nosotros vamos a movidos a la acción. That our bowels of mercy. Que nuestro movimiento de misericordia en nuestro ser. And our bowels of love. Y amor. Would be moving now. Sean movidas ahora. And we'd respond, Lord. Y respondemos, Señor. Te pido que hagas esto para todos los que quieran esto. Levante su mano. Dile al Señor, aquí estoy. Yo lo quiero. Úsame, Señor. Úsame, Señor. Envíame, Señor. Déjame ser tu amor y el poder de Dios. Y yo te digo sí, Señor. Yo te digo sí. Gracias, Señor. How many of you guys lived and were part of the Jesus People Movement? ¿Cuántos de ustedes fueron parte del movimiento que se llamó el movimiento de Jesús? I believe that there's something that you guys need to release Yo creo que hay algo que que on this generation that he was talking about today. We need to move. Un mover. And God is moving y Dios está with power and love. Con poder y amor. He's breaking out. Él está and you guys are the fathers now. Y ahora you guys son are the mothers now that we need. Que are you hearing me? ¿Me están 
be that for us, please. Sé esto para nosotros, por be favor. that. Lead the way. Show us the way. Guíanos. You have something to give and release in the earth. Para que tengamos algo para dar a esta tierra, a este mundo. No me gusta pararme aquí al frente y decir muchas cosas. El Señor está haciendo cosas magníficas y especialmente en este tiempo. Mucha gente ha venido a mí y me ha dicho, tú eres una predicadora y Dios te ha llamado a predicar y yo te dije oh, Padre úsame te doy gracias por usarme y el Espíritu de este mensaje me dio una confirmación sobre una profecía que se dio el miércoles y yo me fui a casa el miércoles y empecé a buscar al Espíritu Santo y le pregunté al Señor ¿qué estás haciendo Padre? para mí en este tiempo en esta hora ¿quién soy yo? yo me acuerdo decirle esto al Señor y me fui al Pastor Byron y el Espíritu Santo me dijo ve al Pastor Byron y pregúntale who people say that you are Linda yo sé quién you tú eres, know Linda. who I say that you are Linda yo sé but quién ask tú eres. him Pero who, who al pastor. he say that I am and we talked to whatever and Wednesday passed el, el I went home miércoles. and I asked the Lord again Father who do you say that I am and the Holy Spirit began to let me know that me hizo saber cuando tú dices predicadores piensan predicadores del púlpito el Señor no me llamó a ser un predicador del púlpito pero me dijo Linda tú eres una ministra mía proclama mi evangelio en amor y yo le doy gracias al Señor por el amor y por la compasión porque eso me puso su compasión por su pueblo no solamente aquí pero cuando vamos afuera yo estoy proclamando en voz alta no tengas vergüenza no seas tímida proclámalo porque nos llamó a todos a ser ministros de Cristo embajadores de Cristo para predicar un evangelio de amor y poder a la gente necesitamos el poder e ir en el poder de Dios cuando se mueve sobre mí y a través mío en el nombre de Jesús yo le estoy preguntando pidiendo ahora y yo creo que yo lo recibí en el nombre de Jesús y es para la gloria de Dios yo tenía que decirlo a esto es que Dios que Él reciba toda la gloria hoy, amén tenemos hijos que necesitan a sus papis y a sus mamis para que lo busquen 
We need to do that. Okay, Tenemos we can't que hacer just eso. leave them. All right. No podemos so dejarlo I, I want to release parents to go get your kids. Quiero que los padres puedan ir and a buscar a sus niños. Pero si sientes algo, you, right now, está moviendo like sobre ti. Take care of some stuff here. Y que necesitas so, necesita pasar aquí. Si tienes que irte por cualquier razón, vas a ser bendecido en el nombre de Jesús. Busca a tus hijos, ten go una tarde excelente, ven el poder de Dios, en el amor de Dios el resto de la semana. Pero si sientes que tienes tiempo, que Dios te está llamando, te está tocando, vamos a quedarnos aquí y orar por ti. Entonces hagamos esto. If you are leaving, please be sensitive to what the Lord's doing in here and take si, it out in the foyer. Si Thank you. Yendo, sé sensible a lo que está pasando aquí y pasa allá atrás a hablar, por favor.